0: To you You're frightened nights nice, now wait in the death You know we'll see now we're to
1: listening ink studs on CITR 101.9 FM I'm your host Robin and uh, my guest today is Tom Neely Uh, Tom's latest book is the uh, wolf as well as his book came out I guess what three four years ago uh, the blot and a whole bunch of other small things including the very popular um, Glenn and Henry Ongoing art project Is that a good way of putting it?
2: Uh, it's looking more so that way Yeah, I guess so
1: <laughs> Henry and Glenn forever um, And what was that song We just listened to? Uh,
2: wait, which one Did you start with? <laughs> oh, that was uh, Death SS um, It's an Italian uh, Horror rock group From uh, the 70s Called Death SS And the song was called The Werewolf so I picked all wolf songs for
1: you. Nice, um, but not uh, hipster wolf named bands. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no. <Nah. laughs> yeah, I've waited all those, all those. Thank you. A <laughs> <laughs> um, few good ones. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's too there many are though. Way too
2: many bands with wolves.
1: I I can't keep track. It's they, they yeah. all. It's, I don't know. It makes you feel old. Is that a good way to putting yeah. it? I realized the other day and like I'm listening to the same music I listened to 12 years ago 10 years ago I'm one of those people yeah. now and <laughs> I got a little sad oh. yeah uh, so next week is Halloween um, so I felt this would be an appropriate show to have today and so I'm wondering your book uh, especially your latest book there's a little bit of a horror or a lot of a horror slant to it what does Halloween mean mm-hmm. to you Tom?
2: Oh, I don't know. It's, it's I always liked it, but it was never like a, a huge, huge deal. I mean, my, my family and friends weren't all, all that into it, so I just had kind of normal Halloween growing up. But I always made my own costumes and got really into it myself, and probably did that a little bit too late in life. I think when I was fourteen, I was still making. Batman costumes and Jack the Ripper costumes to run around the neighborhood in, and uh, all my friends were were a little beyond that at that point, but um, I don't know. Now it's just, uh, I I watch horror movies year-round, but in October, for some reason, my wife and I both are like, let's watch as many horror movies as we can this month, so so it's just kind of a... Fun excuse to watch, indulge in more of those things.
1: (laughs) Any particular standout excellence or terrible?
2: Oh, I don't know. I just I just watched -watched, rewatched The Devil's Bride again today. It's old Hammer horror movie. Um, And uh, I don't know. I've been we've been watching a lot of. uh, I watch a lot of old B movies these days. I don't know anything from. Alucarda to Phantasm to, like, you know, just a lot of just random, like, B-grade horror movies and, and exploitation movies from the 70s, so I've been watching a lot of that stuff lately. My friend Coop just re- loaned me Boxer's Omen the other day, and I started watching it. It's pretty crazy.
1: Um, what kind of stuff is happening that's so crazy?
2: Oh, it's just like, it's a Shaw Brothers, Kung Fu, oh, okay. fighting demons, black magic. It's just it's completely surreal and insane and over-the-top, ridiculous Kung Fu stuff.
1: I never really got much into Kung Fu movies, but I always loved the story of Ricky.
2: Yeah, that one that one's pretty great. <laughs> I've never been a huge Kung Fu person either, but uh, that's every once in a while they're fun.
1: I, I think it's I'm just something about... Yeah, well the ridiculous gore of this one where he's punching holes through people's chests and yeah, <laughs> the kind of weird demon at the end and it's really terrible. I highly recommend people uh watching it legally in their uh, best way they can. Um <laughs> <sighs> So let's talk about The Wolf. Um it feels to me looking at your work, probably your most personal work to date. Um is that a apt way of describing it?
2: Uh I could yeah, I think I could say that. Yeah. I mean, I I think uh in a way every everything I've done in the last few years has been a progression in that in that direction or an attempt at that. And yeah, so this is probably I think the most personal I've gotten so far. So yeah. Whatever everything is is an attempt at that. So
1: um, it feels like it's kind of, kind of like facing kind of personal struggles, or confronting them in a way, through utilizing yeah, different... Yeah,
0: there's
2: parts of that in there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a lot about that, uh, about, um... I don't know. It's about kind of uh, evolving as a as an artist or or as a human being, or you know, moving from one stage of life to the next, and uh, all the various struggles that that come with that. So when there's several different kind of uh, themes going through the book along those lines, all uh, tangled up in a mess of skeleton arms and and uh, werewolves and
1: sex and stuff so <laughs> um i also feel like you're kind of um utilizing some old horror comic st- st- like stylistically horror and different kind of european stuff like it's like i see a bit of that like 1970s filipino uh style in sp- in spots mixed in with like someone like guido crapex
2: yeah, yeah, and, um, yeah. I can see that. I mean, I, I, growing up, I was always a big fan of, uh, especially. I think the the horror comics I had the most of were uh, creepy and uh, and eerie and stuff like that that I could find. At the you know, actually would steal them from uh, this guy at the flea market. the Same place I could steal Playboys and Penthouses and creepy magazines from the back of this one guy in the flea market. So. Uh, yeah, and, and heavy metals and stuff like that. So a lot of that was is definitely in there. I think I was kind of exploring a lot of those uh, early influences in some ways. I, a lot of what I've been doing lately with my art has been trying to kind of get back to a lot of m- those earlier influences and and kind of uh, expelling more recent knowledge and and uh, trends and you know contemporary influences that I'm surrounded by in the comic scene or whatever. It's i been having more fun like delving into my earlier inspirations and and, uh, yeah some of that stuff is definitely part of that
1: what do you think it is that particularly sticks out of that era of the creepies and the eeries that that is because i see that a lot like you're doing a lot of like cover type recreations or your own like creepy covers
2: yeah those that was just fun well you know robert gooden did his uh his uh covered blog and so i did I did a couple of those for that, uh, recreating um, mm-hmm. classic horror covers as Lee's paintings, and then uh, I had fun with it. And then I, I uh, at the time, I was I was halfway through the Wolf when I was when I did those, and it was kind of uh, I was asked to do this art show in in uh, at grasshot Gallery in Portland, and since I was kind of halfway in, in the middle of the Wolf, I couldn't really I didn't want to do like a Wolf show, but I didn't couldn't really wrap my brain around like coming up with like a new concept for a series of paintings so I just decided well these are fun to do I'll just do like a dozen of these and uh and so that was that art show and, and uh yeah just just mined through like my old long boxes and or old old books of about old horror comics because I don't own all of those I wish I did but um but yeah I just found some of my old favorites or, or ones that just really stood out to me uh kind of, uh, I, I mean, for those, like, I wasn't even really thinking about the comic as much as just, like, the the, the uh, covers themselves as, like, art pieces, you know, the originals as well as mine, so it was kind of a,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I, I wasn't, like, trying to emulate any specific artist or anything, just kind of uh, exploring different ideas and different, different things, just having fun with it, so, <laughs> which sometimes, once you, uh get immersed into doing this professionally sometimes forget how to have fun making art <laughs> 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 try, try something different to uh, you know or when you're like embroiled in the middle of like a big you know long project it stops being fun at some point or becomes too uh, arduous at times so you uh, so finding a, something fun to work on in the middle of it to sidetrack me is always good and that's how I ended up with more Henry and Glenn and the creepy covers series, and the Doppelganger book I did, they're all just like little side projects to to amuse myself while finishing, while anguishing over the wolf.
1: (laughs) So that book really took over a lot of your creative consciousness?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was kind of consuming for the last four years, been working on always been somewhere in the back of my head so now it's kind of a, it's a nice relief to uh, <laughs> be thinking about other things and just drawing other
1: stuff now. Tell me about putting together um, a silent book, like for lack of a better term, a book without word balloons, without words. Um, what was your process for starting this? Was this what you originally had intended um, or did this book kind of grow in itself as you were making it and take over?
2: This one definitely grew kind of organically. I had I had like a an idea of where I wanted it to go, and I definitely had kind of a uh, loosely mapped out a story, but um, I wanted this. It it never really worked to like stick too closely to it. The more I worked on it, the more it evolved, and so then I just kind of made that a part of the process to just let everything kind of happen organically, which which became a much more long drawn out process but it's almost like um, I guess it, it's just kind of like you know what just pour you know putting out as much of the story and as doing as much art as I could just kind of in a stream of conscious kind of mode to like make all these images and then going back and almost like more like film just like shooting a lot of film but then you go back and edit it down to uh, to make the the final Piece, a lot of stuff gets cut out, so there's probably about you know eighty or hundred pages of the wolf that got edited out or spliced back in at some point or shifted around. So it was it was kind of a it was always in flux and kind of always all over the place, but but there was always kind of a goal, uh, a structure in mind that it had to grow kind of organically and things changed the whole time. So it it, it, it evolved as much as it was about evolving so so that came yeah that was the main part of the process was to keep
1: evolving throughout like artistically evolving and creatively evolving mm-hmm. The wolf is a motif that's kind of following you too, isn't it? Is this? I'm sorry, what? It's kind of a motif that you've been following, or it's been following you.
2: Yeah, kind of. I, I don't really know where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> I the well, I mean, it, I used the wolf in the blot definitely as uh, but that was a, in a different context, and and um, this one kind of just happened again, like started showing up in my sketchbooks around the time I was finishing the blot, I was doing this, it, it had grown into this series of paintings, all these, uh, like, werewolf uh, sex paintings, basically, <laughs> and I had an art show right around the same time the, the blot came out of, of those paintings, called, uh as a show called Self-Indulgent Werewolf.
1: And that's the one um, you have the record for as well.
2: Yeah, and I made a yeah I made an album because I wanted this show to be as self-indulgent as possible. So my, why not sound record your own soundtrack? So, <laughs> um, so yeah. So I went on. Uh, that that's kind of where this whole book started. Was just these this series of paintings. that I didn't really know what was going on. It was just they're almost more like figure studies, but these uh, wolf characters just kept popping up, and uh, I don't really have any personal. I mean I guess I do now. <laughs> but, but it wasn't out of it wasn't like born out of uh any kind of you know, original like fascination with wolves or werewolf mythology. It just kind of started you know, just really just appearing in my sketchbooks and, and in my ideas for what I wanted to paint and
1: then uh so I went with it. <laughs> so the next time someone sees you at a convention you will not be wearing that T shirt with the wolf howling at the moon?
2: <laughs> no <laughs>
1: No That's okay
2: No but I've seen I've read p- Quite a bit of uh, were- Werewolf lore And werewolf books And seen a lot of Crappy werewolf movies In the last few years Because Once I Get a Get an idea I start to kind of Get OCD about it And just study as much As I can
1: about it Was there anything You learned le- Oh go ahead Do what? I would say there's anything Particular that you learned That fed into this That kind of could have altered what you were creating.
2: Um, not, not really. It's actually kind of more of a, an attempt of like making sure I'm. I, I almost unconsciously trying to avoid doing something that's been done. Is mm-hmm. a little bit part of it, but um, but yeah, occasionally getting ideas. But I, I drew more ideas for this book from uh, from other sources, like other other uh, other books and ideas. I kind of moved away from from uh, reading comics and, and uh, for the last couple of years or at least contemporary comics and uh, just focus more on, on reading poetry and, and uh, philosophy and stuff like that dream psychology and books on symbolism and alchemy and stuff like that So that, that, that stuff had a little bit more influence on the formation of this book than in any of the werewolf lore
1: well let's talk about dreams a little bit because one of the things I really found odd, fascinating, I'm not sure quite how to put it, is the beginning of the book. The first page is a ship sinking in sea and the next page Mm -hmm. is the guy waking up. And that's the only time you really have this kind of oceanic scene. The rest is very people-based, earth-based, visceral-based. Why is that part it seems like it just sticks out to me so much.
2: Um, just uh, seems like a good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been a, a, again like the werewolves. I, I just started uh, drawing these sinking ships. Recently, I just I just I, I may I enjoy drawing the waves and stuff and these something interesting about an image of a sinking ship that can uh, has a lot of possibility for meaning so seemed like a, a good place to start it was actually the last last image I added to the book <laughs> <laughs>
1: is that a, a sign of where you're going to go with your work you think
2: no it wasn't it wasn't the last image I drew but it was the oh, okay. last one I put in um, but <laughs> yeah I mean I, I don't know I mean I've done I've, I've done some more of those and there's still a part of me that <clears throat> will eventually uh I call it my retirement plan, maybe, so I do still want to uh, illustrate an unabridged version of Moby Dick someday, so that would involve lots of ships and wave drawings, so maybe someday.
1: <laughs> I was going to mention that you have the uh, the massive Moby Dick print that you like to uh, to sell,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, that thing's like the most popular image I've ever done for some reason.
1: How many people do you think actually read Moby Dick that bought it? Other than Jim Woodring,
2: I don't know. It's it's interesting. <laughs> it's about half the people that that respond to it when I'm at conventions or whatever, they just respond to it as a whale, and about the other half, is recognize it as Moby Dick. So I'm not sure. It's interesting. I I, I met Jim Woodring at the fanographic at a signing at fanographic store a few weeks ago, and I met Jim for the first time, and uh, and we started talking about it. He's reading Moby Dick for the first time now. And uh, he he was like, I'm only about halfway through it, but it's already I th- I'm pretty sure it's already the best book I've ever read. <laughs> 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 so, That's telling about that for a while. I told him <laughs> I I think I've read it seven times now, I, but I haven't read it in, in a couple of years, so I think my obsession has uh, subsided
1: for a little while. What is it about that book? Like, I mean, to say that you've read it seven times is it's not like you've watched Star Wars seven times. Like it's it's not a simple thing to do.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's just it's just uh, such a great book. Found it for a while there I just found it very comforting. So uh I just pick it up every time I I, I, f- I couldn't think of something else to read and then just read it read it again. So it it gets faster <laughs> the first <laughs> couple of times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll I'll be honest, I've never attempted it and I, I don't foresee myself attempting it maybe uh, that's a, a sign of my, my own inadequacies <laughs> that's all right
0: <laughs> um
1: in the book I, I mentioned kind of taking from other influences i'm also wondering um what you when you're putting these images together what are you taking from sources like fine art and things like that because the cover is very much like a dutch master painting like that kind of it evokes that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was a uh, specific I, I specifically wanted to reference the Vanitas paintings, but um also uh I've been studying a lot of uh, symbolism in classical painting and and uh and was Playing around with that idea of of trying to kind of encapsulate the idea of the entire book in a still life for the cover, and uh, make an inverted vanitas. So it was, yeah, definitely done in the in the as a nod to that tradition. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, but yeah, and, and I, I don't know. It, throughout, there's the, the section that becomes abstract, um, which I used to. In uh, undergrad school, I was primarily an abstract painter, <laughs> but I hadn't I hadn't gone back to revisit that in a while. So that was that was fun to do. I just uh, just really interested in exploring, especially with this book, exploring you know the different possibilities of using different kinds of art to tell stories. So there's a lot of uh, different influences in that. I mean, even you know even in like the compositions of some of the just simple panels of two figures or whatever I'm often thinking more about like an a, you know an abstract painting than than uh what's going on or the figures or you think of it separately that way um, or uh i I, th- I think uh some people have pointed out that some of the figures are uh resemble egon shield's work and i think i think there's definitely a lot of that influence i i was very into him uh in, in high school he was one of my favorite artists and have and that's also part of my what I was saying I've been consciously trying to re explore earlier influences and getting back to what I liked about making art before before I was ruined by art school and, and uh professional life and stuff. Trying to get back to uh when I was younger and really enjoyed making art and you know just had fun doing it for myself and so i've been trying to actively pursue that through revisiting a lot of my past influences so i've been spending more time with with like she and and george gross and and uh... uh... salvador dali and renee magritte again he's i mean magritte's kind of always been a constant influence for me but um... and then you know a lot of like earlier abstract stuff that I was into in in college, like Cy Twombly and and, uh, some of his I actually kind of directly referenced some of the color schemes
1: from a few of his paintings in the abstract sequence in my book Um, That's funny because I I was, when I read that part I was thinking of the uh, that's where I was like really getting the Guido of Grey because it reminded me of the color scheme that he uses in his like uh, like the stuff that was in Heavy Metal and like some of the Valentina color work Hmm. Yeah. I'm not as familiar with that. I should check it out though. That's uh it's sexy comics. <laughs> <laughs> um kind of going with that, that I, I'm really curious because like you're an animator during the day, right? Uh
2: yeah, pretty much.
1: That's your your money gig. Um because I really felt with this book, like you're kind of shaking off the shackles of animation because like you really with the blot you really feel that fleischer that really early style in there in this one like you're really you're moving as far away from it you you start out with a little bit in the beginning and it's pretty much gone by the end
2: yeah you know i think that was both uh conscious and kind of willing uh you know allowing Evolution to happen. I mean, there was. I definitely had a bit of that consciously in in mind, but uh, I was also just kind of trying to push myself further with my own art to a different place, away from that, and and uh, so it kind of seems natural to like make a story about that that process of kind of moving away from that my past and it, it's and not not really. Moving away from it so much as just kind of you know I'm that's I'm kind of done with that stage and I'm moving into a different phase now and this is what I'm focused on and who knows what the next phase <laughs> will be so <laughs> so I just want to always be moving in a different direction I think I get I get too restless if I stick with the same idea for too long.
1: Do you find it it's a way of like just helping to separate the illustrator for the artist for so to say
2: uh... yeah i think there's there's definitely a little bit of that struggle goes on a lot because i don't i'm not always happiest when i'm (laughs) doing the uh... the freelance day job Mm -hmm. work uh... you know i think every artist would probably like to make a living off just their personal art but uh... but at the same time i'm not sure the responsibilities that come with that become uh could be they become daunting too, so sometimes I'm happy to have a uh day job that's separate from from my personal work mm-hmm. but I go back and forth on that all the time <laughs> <So> <laughs> <laughs>
1: do you feel like if you were living off your personal work it would change your personal work?
2: I don't know i mean it depends i mean i i th- I've definitely seen that happen to some people. You can see that happen to, to different artists at different points in their careers all the time. And often when they uh, reach a level of success, then there's a, you know, if, if they let the audience expectation alter their way of creation, I think that that can be a, a bad turn, or at least it would be for me. Some people it works. Some people it's great, and that's what they build their career on. But for me, it's just I, mean, I don't really want to. Uh, I try to not think about an audience at all when I'm creating. And uh, I think if my financial stability was attached more to my art, my personal art creation, there might be uh, that might be more difficult to divorce myself from the uh, those influences. I had that a makes sense.
1: yeah, it, well, it kind of does. Like I had a coworker who. Uh, was, is a painter, and he actually stopped painting for quite a while and just got a day job that had nothing to do with painting because it really the the, the art gallery scene and the people who were buying his paintings, he, it was kind of, he felt it was losing focus from the actual work of the paintings were, mm-hmm. or the, the concept of the paintings, and that was being lost, so he'd need to like, re-examine what he was doing and how he was doing it, so he still, what he was doing was really coming through so mm-hmm. I found that interesting. I don't know Um yeah. that whole stoppage.
2: Yeah, I mean, it can happen in, in, for any different reasons. And I, th- I think that's, again, also going back to what I was saying earlier about trying to, you know, occasionally do little side projects that are different, but to kind of amuse myself and, and remind myself what mm-hmm. I enjoy about it. And, re- you know, it helps refocus me on what I want to be doing rather than what people might expect me to be doing. And that was something I, I struggled with last year with, you know, the success of Henry and Glenn Forever was, was a weird weird phenomenon to, to experience to see like something that I literally think is the dumbest idea that we ever had. <laughs> we me and the Igloo Tornado uh turn into like the most popular thing we've ever done is a really weird <laughs> <laughs> weird uh, kind of mindfuck and now I've, I've learned to be to be happy about it i think it's it's pretty awesome and i you know i've come through the other side where i realize you know it's 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 really cool and you know it it's, it's uh, you know it's it's just a different different thing than than the wolf and the, but at the time that it came out and it was suddenly popular and i was still in the middle of working on the wolf and it just it creates a lot of weird kind of a mind fuck of like, well, what, what the hell am I doing with this, you know, stupid werewolf stuff that nobody wants to look at when everybody wants me to just draw gay punks. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, because we're on college radio, um, there, folks are listening that probably know who the characters are. It's, why don't you give, actually, first let me just remind folks, um, we'll play a song and then we'll come right back and we'll get into it. and we're back um talking to Tom Neely his latest book is the wolf as well as his uh, previous work the blot uh, brilliantly ham-fisted doppelganger uh, what else am I forgetting anything I think I'm forgetting something uh, your disease spread quick the uh, that was the Melvin's comic that came with the box set and yep. uh, did I get it all bounding gagged uh, the uh, that was an yeah, anthology you put together um you were just talking about uh, Your other release w- Which you did with the collective Blue um, Tornado Which I guess is just a bunch mm-hmm. of your friends A um, bunch of dudes doing comics Let's talk about that output to, uh, Give the concept for the listeners uh, To understand
2: um, It's the Henry and Glenn Forever Is a A comic book That asks the question what would it be like if Henry Rollins and Glenn Danzig were domestic partners. So, uh and I I did it with yeah, with my uh art fraternity, Igloo Tornado, which is me and uh Scott Nobles and Levon Johanian and Jen Stevens. And uh yeah, actually Scott and Jen are not they don't really ever do comics. I kind of forced them to do comics for this. But um, There, we're, we've done a lot of art shows together And we're, we're, we're planning some other Projects together now But uh, that was the uh, One weird thing we just Decided to come up with after drinking Too many beers one night And it's become like this huge success Once uh, uh, Joe Beal And Contankerous Titles put it out last year It, it just kind of ran away from us <laughs> 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 I had no idea it would get so big
1: Now you first did it as a Mini yourselves right? Or is that
2: yeah uh, yeah four or five years ago we had just like little Xerox minis I would just print like 20 or 30 of them at a time to go to conventions and and uh, they were, they would always sell really quick but I you know it was just such this stupid weird thing that we did that I didn't ever really feel like keeping it in print but people kept asking for it so then we uh, decided to get it published for real and see what happens and
1: and yeah, it blew up. <laughs> and there was also a print you did. Was that for Christmas? Was it or something? I'm trying to remember.
2: Oh yeah, I did the the Christmas cartoon um, that I put up on YouTube last year. It was a animated short I made. I've been w- wanting to do another one. I think it, I think the uh, animated f- format works really well with those characters. But but doing a uh, you know five, even five minutes of animation completely on your own is, is quite time-consuming, so it takes a while to do that with no budget, so I don't know if I'll ever get around to doing it, but we are doing, uh, we're starting to do uh, another book by popular demand, (laughs) we're going to (laughs) do another one, so uh, (laughs) I'm relenting my anti-sequel rule, and... uh, Oh, we're we're changing it up this time and um I think I'm going to I uh, I guess I can go ahead and announce um I'm getting uh both Ed Ed Luce of uh Lovable Oaf Comics and Benjamin Mara who does uh, uh traditional comics. That's the name of his company, right? Yeah, uh, Gangster
1: Rap Posse uh the marine dad comic and oh what's the and, other And uh, Night Moves Yes. No night business. I'm night business, business. yeah. <laughs> there are some <laughs> yeah, night moves so in there. They're both
2: doing stories for it. And uh it's gonna be a different format. It's gonna be like like longer, short stories by different artists and I think we're gonna do like a series of more like smaller comic book style things, so but uh yeah, we're starting to starting to work on that now. So hopefully by uh next summer sometime we'll have Henry and Glenn forever and ever. <laughs>
1: Um, Why don't you There's some interesting responses you've gotten Uh, Tell the listeners a little bit about that From from Mr. Rollins
2: Yeah well there was the uh, When we first had it as the mini-zine Back in I think 2005 or 2006 We were at Comic-Con in San Diego And Henry Rollins was there doing a DVD signing So uh, Jim Stevens went over and Got in line with a copy of our zine and asked, and waited around for like half an hour to, to ask him to sign it. And uh, as, as Jim says, the uh, the guy in front of him in line had like every Black Flag record and asked him to sign it. So Henry was like all excited and he was telling him old Black Flag stories and stuff. And then and then Jim Stevens is the next person in line and just hands him the zine. <laughs> and he, he he looks at it, flips it open, and he's like, "What is this?" And uh, Jim's like, well, it's just this little uh, zine that me and my friends did. And he's like, what are we gay? He's like, well, you're you're domestic partners. And it's like, oh. uh, and and then he said the quote that we used on the back as a blurb. He he actually said, uh, has Glenn seen this? And he said, trust me, he would not be amused. And then he he signed <laughs> Jim's copy of the zine and and uh, took a picture with him and and that was it. <laughs> that was our. <laughs> Our Henry reaction. So then, Glenn. Well, about a month after the book came out last year, my friend Jay Bennett, ri- who writes for Decibel magazine, was interviewing Danzig for the cover story of Decibel because his new album just came out. So I we signed and gift wrapped a copy to give for Jay to give to Glenn from us. And uh, I guess at the, towards the end of the interview, he, Jay tried to give it to him and asked him if he'd seen it, or heard about it, and he hadn't heard about it, and he kind of flipped out, and Jay sent me the transcript of his reaction, and so I made a a comic strip poster out of that, so we've got, it's all direct quotes of his actual reaction, and it's pretty perfect. He calls us, like, uh, typical internet generation losers or something like that. It's pretty great. (laughs) He was not happy.
1: Something so sad about Glenn Danzig. There's I don't know. I
2: know. It makes me sad cuz I I love his music so much, but uh but whatever. He doesn't have a sense of humor about himself and or about anything. So that's pretty sad.
1: <laughs> I know. And it's a he comes from this background of like his early stuff like it was funny. Misfits were funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there were songs about B movies and They dressed up in ridiculous costumes With this ridiculous hair (laughs) 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 But to quote my friend Doyle is still one scary motherfucker (laughs) Yeah (laughs) I'm sure Glenn could be Could be
2: scary too I don't know I I did see him at uh, San Diego Not this past year But the year before that But I didn't have the nerve to go talk to him Because he had already heard about the book at that point (laughs) <laughs> when these days,
1: you don't want to get punched. Nope. <laughs> oh, oh dearie me. Um. Totally. Uh, so Henry and Glenn, that, that can be found in fighter Comics stores, Same with the wolf. Um. What do you kind of see yourself uh, working on in the future? Or are you at that point yet? Do you feel like you kind of need to take a break after the Wolf?
2: Um, I'm kind of taking a break, but I kind of never take a break. So, um, taking a break from I've I've got my next uh, graphic novel written. It was actually what I was gonna do before I thought of the Wolf, but I put it off, and it's kind of been growing and evolving in my sketchbook during. The process of the wolf too, so but um it's going to be a pretty big undertaking so i'm going to take a break before i do that and just do some i've got some short stories i'm working on i'm actually doing a trying an experiment with uh doing comics with a writer and doing a short story with uh matt maxwell for his strange strange ways series so that I'm working on that right now. It's just a like ten-page story about a giant spider. It's pretty fun to draw. And then, uh, but then, other than that, I'm I'm uh, I'm thinking about I'm working on some possible ideas for expanding my own publishing beyond self-publishing and maybe publishing a few other things. Uh, I've got some some art zines that I want to do. Uh, publishing some other people's art. And uh and possibly and I'm I'm gonna be uh, co publishing Lavon johanian's Danger Country with uh co publishing with Teenage Dinosaur uh in the future. So beginning with issue number three. So, um working on some of those ideas of just expanding a little bit and trying some new things. And uh yeah, what else? I don't know. Some miscellaneous gonna- illustration gigs I've been doing but
1: are you going to be at any uh, conventions in the near future?
2: Yeah, I'm going to Mix next week in Minneapolis. Nice. Uh, and then I'm going to the Brooklyn Comics and Graphics Show. like Comics and Graphic Novels Festival. How do you say it? BCGF.
1: Yeah, Brooklyn Comics uh, and Graphics Festival. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, it's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's in December, and then it's a busy yeah, next show. Year we'll I think the I'll be doing as a full round of I think I'm going to try to do uh, Stumptown and may hopefully TCAF well actually yeah if we get in oh Um, you'll get in and I don't know what else is coming up I was recently asked uh, Scott Morris asked me about doing that trickster thing at San Diego next year uh so I'm curious about that what what goes on there, so that could be a possibility, even though i stopped I decided to stop exhibiting at San Diego, but then last year, I went and just wandered around and and it was more enjoyable than exhibiting mm-hmm. so
1: <laughs> How many years have you been doing uh, it?
2: uh I did it for ten years,
1: Wow, and you're in l a right uh, yeah, yeah.
2: But it just doesn't make sense anymore for the kind of comics I wanna make. That that festival is just I mean, that convention is just the wrong place for what I do.
1: I've never been. But that's okay.
2: It's it's worth seeing. It's it can be fun, but uh it's just I just don't think it's the right place for art comics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have fun at uh Brooklyn. I'm very jealous I'm unable to go this year and I had a blast last year, so I think uh
2: yeah, I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to that one. I've heard good things about it, and uh, and I'm also on the future conventions. I'm going to be uh, helping out, probably either helping out or carrying spark plug uh, comic books with me. So, so we're going to be. I'm going to be helping out with uh, Virginia and Emily keeping that going. So,
1: do you want to talk a little bit about what your role? Would be helping out there and kind of tell people to check it out.
2: Um, well, right now it's kind of up in the air. We're just we're trying to uh, put things together and, and keep things afloat. We uh, our goals right now are to keep it you know keep the backlog back catalog in circulation and keep going. But we also uh, hope to move forward with publishing and and finishing up you know a few uh, books that were already planned to be published for next year. That we'll be announcing soon, but um, I'm uh, uh basically a- Emily Nilsson Dylan's Dylan Williams' wife. Uh, and, and for those who didn't don't know, I guess, or does everybody know now? Dylan. Well, a lot of know, uh, listeners so may not often. even
1: know the background of Sparkplug. Right. So,
2: so uh, Dylan Williams was the main man behind Sparkplug comic books, and he just passed last month. So uh, his wife Emily Nilsson and his co-publisher Virginia Payne wanted to uh, keep things going, so and they asked me to help in some capacity. And so uh, I'm not sure exactly, you know, what what the future holds, but we're going to do our best to uh, keep things going, and, and I'll be helping out in whatever role I can. So
1: I highly suggest people checking out Sparkplug. I think it's comics.com. Um, a lot of really great creative folks have been published there. You um, mm-hmm. I, I could spend the whole hour just saying all the interesting names,
0: but that's yeah, a
2: lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's too many to list. Yep. But, um yeah, and, and definitely any any uh, book sales that are coming in now are are definitely going to help keep us going. So uh, or keep them keep Emily and Virginia going and stay in business. So. We've been doing. We've got some couple of fundraisers coming up uh, that we're going to be doing for uh, to raise funds to uh, keep keep some more books published and, and uh, etc. So yeah, we'll be making more announcements in the future. So I guess I shouldn't cool. say too much because yeah. we haven't finalized everything. But yeah, it's it's we're we're going to keep it going. Stay <laughs> as tuned. <best> we can.
1: <laughs> and also, Virginia will be tabling uh, with Sparkplug at Short Run in Seattle. Um, November twelfth. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. She's in short run. And she'll be at Mix with me. Excellent. And I believe Emily will be at uh at Brooklyn with me. So
1: okay. Well, yeah. staying busy. Um thanks for taking the time with me today, Tom, to uh, chat about sure. your work and a little bit of other people's work. Um yeah, I really enjoyed Wolf and you. I think it's one of the more peculiarly unique um Graphic novels that come out this year, I think it's it's definitely coming from somewhere that I'm not seeing very often. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, I like that. Recommend <laughs> folks checking it like out. True that. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Tom. <laughs>